A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maybe. Colton Dread on set. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 410. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are continuing our discussion about the Avengers, the Tarakin years. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. We are back with the cult spy-fi show from the 1960s. 33 episodes, about 55 minutes each, in the final series of the original run of the Avengers. And this time we have Linda Thorson playing Tara King, Steed's new co-worker, the new agent working alongside him. And of course, as you say, Brian, we have got those characteristic 60s spy-fi, slightly wacky adventures I think last time I referred to them as hyperreal or surreal settings. It's done with a certain charm and 60s spectacular nature, I guess, Brian. These weird and wonderful adventures we're going to get into. Yes, it is. It's very colourful and very sort of heightened in their take on things. Continuing the adventures of Steed and King, we have discussed how they are often assigned now by Mother, who will brief one or both of them. And they will deal or respond to a variety of threats to national or international security. And we should mention that Mother is a code name for a man. We don't know his his real name. Yes, I mean, possibly even borrowing the initial M from Bond again. But yes, Mother is the code name for the character played by Patrick Newell, who controls or organises the ministry that Steed and King work for. And although it's all done in a very sort of colourful fashion, you'll recognise some of the familiar 60s themes of espionage, the Cold War. There's a variety of deadly agents from enemy forces. There are, as you discussed last time, Brian, there are amnesia drugs, there are truth drugs, there are there's face-changing technologies, assassins that have come back from the dead. Of course, there has to be brainwashing of varieties of that. And a lot of these tropes and themes that we seem to have talked about quite a few times when we've sort of reflected on shows from the 1960s, Brian. Yes, these are a lot of 1960s concerns that show up in very sort of visible ways in shows from those from that era with a lot of sort of Cold War influenced ideas and the idea of brainwashing and the fears of brainwashing was something that became a major issue and something that people thought about a lot after the Korean War. And, you know, people coming back from the Korean War, this was an issue and became something that was a big issue in that time. Indeed, yes. 
the worries of popular culture at the time reflected in the actual popular culture, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And here we have sort of a light touch and a lot of humor and this sort of slightly surreal way of showing things that is characteristic of the Avengers that they really built up towards over the past few years, especially in the Emma Peel years. And they do, of course, spoof other bits of popular culture, things like Sherlock Holmes and The Prisoner, even Sam Spade and things about Jack the Ripper. And of course, there's the back and forth between the Avengers and the James Bond film franchise. It's sort of difficult to talk about 60s spies without mentioning James Bond and the Avengers in the same breath, really, isn't it, Brian? They do, they do cross-fertilise. They do borrow bits and pieces from each other we've noticed, particularly as we've been doing this rewatch of the entire series. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think James Bond films in the 70s and 80s, as we mentioned briefly last time, would perhaps repay the favour by having the idea that James Bond would walk into any strange building in any part of the world and might find that M and Q's office and base of operations has moved they have like a floating office, as we see here with Mother. In fact, I think Mother is actually floating in a boat on a lake, literally at one point in one of the episodes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and they'll have, you know, he'll be off somewhere with, you know, the, the red phone and, you know, all of these things that shouldn't be mobile seem to be wherever he is. Absolutely. And I don't know why this sort of like jumps into my mind, but I always seem to remember that when Bond walks into one of these overseas bases q you'd usually have that poor chap was he perkins who was always trying out q's various devices oh yes we would have some of that at times for sure yeah now obviously as we say in our introduction brian we are a science fiction television podcast and we've included the avengers because of its science fiction elements although obviously there's quite a blurring of margins between sci-fi and spy-fi shall we say i'll put it that way they leaned quite heavily into science fiction during the Emma Peel years, I think, Brian. Yes, they seemed to do that more and more. Even as Series 5 went on, we got more and more of these out there science fictional things. Spy-fi was always about blurring those two genres, but we get more and more of that. We've mentioned the, the Cybernauts, the robots that featured in a Series 4 and a Series 5 episode. But we have other types of advanced technology, almost energy weapon type things. We have miniaturization coming into it at one point where we have people being turned into tiny, just a few inches tall people who can go around and do things. We have anti-gravity at one point with people walking around on the ceiling. We have this whole variety of things that are quite out there. And we also have episodes where there seems to be something like aliens or time travel being involved. And it turns out by the end of the episode that it isn't. There are no aliens. There's no time travel. But the technology that people are using to fake that often stretches into sci-fi territory with sort of energy weapon type things and mind manipulation and these things that were quite out there themselves fascinating stuff i do like the idea as you say brian that the technology that people used to fake some of this science fiction is almost a, 
as a science fiction in its its um, depiction itself. It really feels that way in a number of cases, especially in series five. Now, my feeling from series six was there was slightly less of that going on. And I don't know if this was the idea of making the series slightly more grounded. We'll perhaps discuss in a moment how grounded it seems, because... We seem to be fairly comfortably staying in Avengers land for most of the time, I think, Brian. Yes, I think that's right. And it was interesting. We talked about some of this in our production notes last time. But when the network wanted to make it more grounded and a little less out there... They brought in John Bryce as the showrunner and after seeing his first few episodes decided that he was out and Brian Clemens and Albert Fennell were back in and they took over running the series and some of the writing and so on. And I think at that point they were leaning back towards some of the more out there and Avengers land type things. And I think we see that with the drugs that wipe people's memory. And there were also drugs that make it impossible for people to tell the truth. Various things with deadly chemicals and sabotage on this advanced computer and there was a computerized assassin kind of thing so they still went out there with some science fictional elements at times as well and were still very much in this Avengers land heightened surreal kind of world and a very colorful one too indeed extremely colorful Avengers land indeed the only thing of course for me was that I was waiting for a Cybernauts episode Brian and I know we don't get one in series six um it will be some time before we see the Cybernauts again but I was sadly missing them I'm afraid yes I would have loved to have a Cybernauts episode in here too the Avengers generally does not do recurring villains in fact really they don't do recurring villains at all and the Cybernauts are the only case where they do have villains that have shown up more than once in the original run although they were sort of the henchmen and there was a different person each time controlling them but having that recurring element was nice and it would have been nice to see it in series six as well okay so but one of the things we do like to talk about when we review our shows is whether or not there's been any spin-offs from them and here we have a few now most avengers spin-offs obviously are from the emma peel years but there were books and comic strips featuring the adventures of steed and tara king and big finish have been able to adapt some of those comic strips into audio adventures and you've listened to these brian i think yes i have they did those with julian wadham as john steed and emily woodward as tara king and they were based on i believe comic strips from a variety of places i know some of them were from tv comic and my understanding is that they were quite brief comic strips but in the audio adaptations they try to make them more like tv episodes so they fill those stories out quite a bit and add some of the elements that you would see in the television uh, episodes from from series six 
So they've done a number of box sets and are continuing to do Steed and King box sets. And those are very good. They're very entertaining. And the spirit of the TV series from Series 6 is very much there. Fantastic stuff. Does Linda Thorson turn up in a cameo at any time? She does, actually. They did one episode where Linda Thorson came in playing an older character more than a cameo quite a prominent character in that episode and that was that was very good it was very cool to hear her there she was very good in it and from what we can hear on the extra features the the two tara king actors linda thorson and emily woodward got on together very well they apparently had a great time together and that was really lovely to hear oh fantastic that is lovely uh, and perhaps just mentioned emily woodward is indeed edward woodward's daughter i believe oh interesting that hadn't occurred to me but she's very good in the role they also have christopher benjamin who you might remember from doctor who the talents of wang chiang he was Henry Gordon Jago in that and reprised the role in the Big Finish Jago and Lightfoot series, which was very long running. He takes on the role of mother in the Tara King audios, and he did a nice job with that, too. So those were all very fun. Christopher Benjamin playing mother. That that just sounds fantastic. That is spot on, I think, Brian. Yeah, it, it really works. It, uh, it definitely works. He had been in television episodes of the event. But yeah, taking on that role was a neat thing for him to be able to do. He enjoyed it. But yeah, he is perfect for it. Fantastic stuff. There was also a novel called Too Many Targets that I believe came out in the 90s as an Avengers anniversary celebration. And it includes Steed and Dr. Keel and Kathy Gale and Emma Peel and Tara King. They're all in there. And it was also adapted by Big Finish and is a really fun release to listen to for sure. That was the one time that Big Finish was able to bring in Kathy Gale. They had Beth Chalmers in the role, who was fantastic in the role. And hopefully at some point they'll be able to do more Kathy Gale episodes. They haven't been able to yet. But Big Finish has done some really nice work for almost all eras of the Avengers. And what they did in, with the Tara King episodes has been very good as well. Fantastic stuff. And all available from BigFinish.com. Absolutely. So it's time to get into our own thoughts about series six of the avengers the tara king years brian i'm going to throw to you first what were what did the what are the things you liked about this series well there's a lot there are a lot of things that carried over in the style and the look and the feel of the avengers that had been there in very similar way with emma peel all of that continued or a lot of that continued and that was great so the look, the feel, the the music, the color, the clothing, all of that was great. It certainly is. I mean, it's spectacular to look at. Very colorful adventures on 60s television. Wonderful theme music continues. We've got the new opening credit sequence featuring Tara King. This sort of light, humorous 
Adventures in Adventureland, Avengersland, is great stuff, really. It's great fun, I think, Brian. Yes, and I think the writing, with the odd exception, most of it is is very good, and it's still right up there. Bringing Brian Clemens and Albert Fennell back in was absolutely the right choice, and where they took things really worked. So on that level, it was great, too. Yes, I mean, a 33-episode series, so we don't really get a chance to focus in on particular writers or directors. But the overall you know, uh, ethos of the production with Clemens and Fennell back involved is fantastic. Shame that it didn't continue to get that American success, which apparently was so vital to these big ITV shows in the 60s, as we've discovered when we've talked about other franchises as well, Brian. Yeah, I think those American sales contributed a lot to the budget on some of these. They were doing big budget shows. You know, at this time, 68, 69, British television was only just transitioning to doing color. And a lot of these things, they were doing them in color, mostly for the States. Yeah, absolutely. We get some new features. We get Patrick Newell as mother and Rhonda. We get the sort of floating office idea of Mother and Rhonda turning up in a variety of different locations to brief their agents. How does that stuff work for you? I liked it a lot. I thought Mother and most of the time Rhonda, she was used a little bit weirdly once or twice and possibly in slightly poor taste, but mostly Mother and those whole sequences. Mostly that was great. Yeah, it is It is great stuff. And I... um. Because I don't really remember this era of the Avengers from my own childhood, I, the, the only images I have in my mind, as I've told you before, Brian, were of Mother and the double-decker bus for some reason. I thought that was more of a recurring feature as a, instead of just a one-off. But it's strange how these little sort of snapshots lodge in your memory. Yeah, it. I think the double-decker bus was only once, but it was a very memorable scene, and they used it very well. And the sort of moving office, that concept worked quite well for them. And the idea of the authority figure who happened to be disabled, who happened to be in a wheelchair, I thought was pretty good. I thought it was well used. And occasionally they make reference to the fact that that Rhonda doesn't speak or perhaps that she is not able to speak. That wasn't there was a reference to that. It wasn't entirely made clear. I wasn't big on the moment with a joke about her being used as a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. But apart from that, mostly I thought Rhonda for this kind of background role was sort of a nice touch and they made some some good use of her considering what they had for that character which was not very much they used her actually in an interesting way in the end okay we've obviously got a great cast we're going to talk about patrick mcnee and linda thorson in a moment but the the guest cast i mean as i said last episode brian everybody's in this at some point in the avengers everybody did one or two episodes here or there it seems any particular standouts for you along the way oh interesting christopher lee of course but actually the surprise one that I really enjoyed was Lucy Fleming. Right. She was very good in it. And yeah, it was always interesting to see to see who would show up. 
also having John Cleese and Bernard Cribbins in the same episode. They didn't have any scenes together, but they were both very good and sort of small roles that were perfect for them. And that was quite fun too. And of course, Cleese and Cribbins will turn up acting against each other in an episode of Faulty Towers uh, in the next decade, I guess, Brian. Yes, that's right. Julian Glover, I like to see, because I'm continuing to tick off my list of franchises that Julian Glover has been in. Always, always great stuff. Yeah, I mean, everybody's in there. Roy Kinnear, Fulton Mackay, all the names. Ian Cuthbertson from Children of the Stone turns up at one point, I remember. Yeah, uh, an amazing cast, we should just say. Yeah, as they've had for, you know, a couple of seasons now, uh, you know, some really interesting people coming in and some very strong performances from a lot of those guest actors as well. What about our two leads? What about Patrick McNee continuing as John Steed and then getting to the subject of Tara King herself? Yeah, we are sort of leaving the discussion about Tara King for last in some in some sense here. Patrick McNee as John Steed is always great and he was still great. I enjoyed his presence in it a lot. I thought he was still doing really well on this. Yes, I mean, the twinkle in Patrick McNee's eye playing John Steed, the way he just relishes the role, has a great time, gives us a great time. It's a wonder that they ever thought to cast him as a sort of hard-nosed, trench-coated, backstreet private uh, spy detective in the very early episodes, Brian. Once they put him in the Pierre Cardin suits, the bowler hat and the and the bamboo-handled umbrella, that was when it really flew, isn't it? Yeah. As you say, the more of that twinkle they decided to go with for Steed, the more interesting the show became and sort of went on a new approach because of that. But he was always good, but he certainly does the things where there's some humor involved especially well. Okay, now, obviously, Diana Rigg as Emma Peel, you know, possibly along with Patrick McNeil, John Steed sort of epitomizes the Avengers in the 60s, the height of its popularity when the show broke out into America and became a sort of worldwide phenomenon for a while. Linda Thorson has got very big shoes to fill stepping in as Tara King, doesn't she? She really does. And in addition to the new actor, you also had a new character being written. And this was, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were looking at ITV wanting to go a bit more realistic and John Bryce wanting to have... I guess a slightly less active and more traditional female lead in this. I'm not entirely sure what he was going for, but apparently he wanted to differentiate or tone some things down. But you had things in the writing that were shifting as well. And Tara King was written as a more sort of young, naive character to a certain extent compared to Emma Peel, where Emma Peel was clearly you know, an experienced, very capable spy from the beginning. And Tara King was deliberately introduced as someone who was just graduating from this new class of agents. Yes, and I think that is, I'm going to say, the problem that many people perceive with Tara King is that she's just too young and too too fresh out of spy school, whereas both Kathy Gale and Emma Peel seem to have quite a lot of backstory, quite a lot of 
you know, that they had had a lot of experience already. They were experienced, capable women and agents, and um, they just seemed to work better with John Steed. I think the age disparity for me was a slight problem. I think it's becoming much more obvious the age disparity between John Steed and Tara King. Tara King, or Linda Thorson Planer, is just 20. And it seems, you know, she's very young, isn't she? Yes, absolutely. And it sort of goes from, you know, a a modest age gap to, and I know this is more often used for romantic uh, relationships, but more to the Hollywood age gap of having the male character much older. And I think with Kathy Gale and Emma Peel, the fact that those were experienced and extremely capable and competent characters, that was sort of what made the Avengers and what made it work as well as it did from, you know, the middle of series two onward. And with the introduction of Tara King, there was a little bit of working against that. And I think when Clemens and Fennel came in, they they knew what they needed and started pushing the Tara King character in the right direction. And I think when Tara King was being portrayed as being very capable and very competent, that's when Series 6 was working at its best. Sometimes when she was portrayed as being a little naive or when she was uh, needing to be rescued, that's when it didn't work as well and started to seem a bit more like other 1960s shows. Yes. I mean, she's clearly intended to be a competent agent, sort of head of her class. I think Mother refers to her at one point as being like one of the best I don't know how he refers to analysts or one of the best analytic minds. The episodes when she's more of the damsel in distress or the ditzy uh, younger female character, they don't work so well for me either. When she's a competent agent and steeds match, that's much more uh, enjoyable. And of course, none of this is Linda Thorson's fault. I think she does a great job. I just think that they chose somebody too young for my for my own personal taste, Brian. Yeah, I think they probably did. And that was part of this initial idea that they wanted a different sort of character. And then Clemens and Fennel come back and try to push her to be more like an Emma Peel type character. And that, I think, on the whole was was good whenever they did that there was an episode i don't have titles with me right now but there was an episode where she was being used to test the security of a facility that they were trying to see if information could could possibly be stolen from it and she was the one who had to to try to do that and she ends up being set up as a traitor and there's a whole thing that has to be unwound to deal with that. And she was very good in that episode where she has to be competent and sort of go solo on things. And in the end, John Steed has to come to her defense, but it's not her being rescued. She's a big part of her getting out of the situation as well. Was that the episode, Who Was That Man I Saw You With? Would that be the one? Yes, I think so. And when they did things like that, I thought she worked really well as a character. Okay. What about the suggestion that this is a more grounded, realistic series than four and five? 
Do you find any evidence of that? Hmm. Well, yeah, I think that was something they started to do and backed away from. I think it's compared to the late... Well, compared to Series 5, I think probably, because they didn't start going in the sort of direction of things with anti-gravity and you know people wearing the there was the guy in series five who was wearing a gadget and a sort of makeup like thing that would allow him to zap people electrically and you know they backed off on some of those kinds of things but still had some pretty out there stuff so uh, somewhat maybe but certainly not entirely yeah i think they probably stay pretty much in avengers land i think those initial decisions as you say they backed away from them and stuck with the surreal, hyper-colourful and uh, humorous sort of deft touch, twinkling Steed's eye approach that uh, just seemed to work. Yes, I think Clemens and Fennel were the right people to be doing this at this point. And they should have kept them on from the, from the beginning and not gone to saying, you know, make it more realistic. But they made the right call to bring them back in. And I think that probably saved a lot of Series 6 and gave us some pretty good things in the end. With, a, I think, a bit more of a mixed bag. There were some episodes that didn't work quite as well, but there was certainly some some interesting stuff there and some some very strong episodes. Great stuff. I'll just lament the lack of a Cybernauts episode again, but um, I'll have to wait a while. I would have liked to have the Cybernauts in here too, and I would have liked some more of the science fiction episodes, but on the whole, there were a lot more episodes that I felt worked pretty well than ones that I felt didn't in this season, so that's pretty good. I like to make the comparisons between the Avengers and James Bond and looking at what the Avengers was doing at any one time and what Bond was doing at any one time. And in terms of the female lead, I think in the Avengers, they were being much more progressive and doing much more interesting things. And at this point, when On Her Majesty's Secret Service is out around the same time, Bond is starting to catch up somewhat. But I think even with the Tara King character not being as good in some cases, I think it's still, in some respects, a little bit ahead what they're doing on The Avengers. Fantastic stuff. So now I think we should get to our recommendations. So, Eamon, do you want to start this time? Okay. I think this is a fairly easy one for us and our listeners. I think uh, Series 6 of The Avengers is great stuff. I think it's very easy to get hold of and watch it streaming, so you don't have to watch the 33 episodes. You can just pick up an episode here or there, particularly if you've got a BritBox episode. I think Linda Thorson does a great job. I just think, you know, as I say, I think she was cast too young. But overall, I really enjoyed Series 6. And while it's not quite at the heights of Series 4 and 5, it's still pretty good stuff. So I'm going to say yes, I'm going to recommend it. And then I'm going to throw back across the pond to you, Brian. What are you going to say? I am also going to recommend this. It is not as strong as Series 4 and Series 5, but it still has some very good stuff in it. And it's still well worth watching and adds some really worthwhile things to the Avengers canon. So absolutely, this is definitely a recommendation for me. Great stuff. If you've watched it recently, if you remember it from the original broadcast, 
If you watch any episodes after listening to us, do please get in touch and let us know what you think. Absolutely. We'd love to hear your thoughts on some of this. And if you prefer Tara King to Emma Peel, I would love to hear your thoughts on that and why you feel that way. So, in summary, The Avengers continues to bring us spy stories in this heightened and surreal world sometimes called Avengers Land, where all kinds of things can happen and things are bright and colorful and sometimes go into science fiction type directions. And we now have Tara King alongside John Steed and they continue to investigate these weird and wonderful situations they find themselves in. But we are now in a situation where we have a young and talented agent who is at the beginning of her career rather than the more experienced agents we had had earlier. But still a very competent agent and a very capable character. Fantastic stuff. So, please also come back and join us next time when we are getting to our seasonal ghosts as we round out the year with the series Haunted from ITV in 1974. We'll talk about this next time, but possibly an attempt to at least some way compete with the BBC's A Ghost Story for Christmas. Yes, interesting. I suppose by 1974, A Ghost Story for Christmas was quite an institution. Indeed. But that will be some fun stuff to talk about next time, for sure. Until then, you can find all of our episodes at BritishInvaders.com, or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, we have our group there, where we have lots of good discussions there. And you can follow us on Twitter. We are at BritInvadersPod. Yes, find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or British Invaders is also part of the Voice of Geeks Network, which you can find at vognetwork.com. You'll find podcasts, you'll find gaming, you'll find Twitch streams, lots of interesting stuff at vognetwork.com. Absolutely. So thank you for listening, and this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much for being with us. Until we are needed again, it's Eamon in England signing off. <laughs>